Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome one and all, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening, right here on the Republic Broadcasting Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com, the network's website, republicbroadcasting.org. Today is Saturday, August 16th, 2014. We have a great show lined up for you here this evening. This show is live every Saturday evening from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern Time. That's 9 p.m. to midnight Central Time. Tonight on the show, we're going to be continuing going in-depth with the Cosmic Abandonment presentation as we have for the past several weeks and will continue to do so into the future for the next few weeks. The Cosmic Abandonment presentation explores the connection of the interference theory of human origins, as I call it, to the current human condition. And I will be taking calls in hour number three of the show this evening. I'll give the call-in number right at the top of the show for those who wish to call in uh, or perhaps get in the call call queue for the third hour. The call-in number to join us here on What on Earth is Happening is 800-313-9443. Once again, the call-in number 800-313-9443 couple of quick event announcements before we begin. I will be giving a live all-day seminar in Manchester, Connecticut on Saturday, October 4th, 2014 from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. It is called Demystifying the Occult. It is presented by Arthur Capozzi of Pattern Recognition Time. It will be taking place at the Manchester History Center at 175 Pine Street in Manchester, Connecticut, 06040. There is free parking available at the Manchester History Center. Here's a brief description of this all-day seminar. Mark Passio, the no-nonsense teacher of streetwise spirituality, will take his guests on a journey of exploration, examining the world of the occult and its symbols. What exactly is the occult? Why should you know about it? What kind of knowledge comprises the occult? 
Who possesses such knowledge and how do they use it? How is occultism different from mysticism? What can the secret language of symbolism communicate to us? How is symbolism being used in our everyday lives? This and much more will be explored in this seminar. In the second half of the seminar, I'll actually be breaking down some of the spiritual symbolism in the major arcana of the tarot deck. So that's Demystifying the Occult coming up Saturday, October 4th, 2014. Advanced tickets are only a $25 donation. For advanced tickets, you can send a check or money order payable to Arthur Capozzi. That's C-A-P-O-Z-Z-I, 500 Monroe Turnpike, Suite 142, Monroe, Connecticut, 06468. At the door tickets for this seminar, only a $30 cash donation in person at the door. The Truth, Freedom, Prosperity free documentary film screening and discussion evening, as always, takes place on the third Thursday of every month here in Philadelphia. And uh, this month uh, coming up on, uh, actually this Thursday coming up, uh, Thursday, August 21st, uh, we will be showing Run from the Cure, the Rick Simpson story. These free documentary screenings take place at the Guerin Recreation Center, 1600 Jackson Street in Philadelphia. That's the corner of 16th and Jackson. 7 o'clock p.m. start time. And uh, again, they're free to attend. And uh, uh, you could bring your own food and drink. The Run from the Cure documentary is probably one of the most important documentaries that people can see. And I wanted to kind of um, really highlight the whole cover-up of the cure for cancer. Um, through cannabis oil. I'll read a brief description of Run from the Cure. After a serious injury in 1997, Rick Simpson sought relief from his medical condition through the use of medicinal cannabis oil. When Rick discovered that the cannabis oil he was using with its high concentration of THC cured cancers and other illnesses, he tried to share it with as many people as he could, free of charge, in the process, curing hundreds of people's illnesses. But when his story went public, law enforcement officers descended on Rick's home and stole the medicine that Rick was sharing with others, leaving thousands of people without an effective treatment for their cancer, and in many cases without hope. Even those who were completely cured of their cancer due to Rick Simpson's proven treatment and immense generosity were not allowed to testify on his behalf at his court trial in September 2007. Everyone, especially those who have lost loved ones to cancer, needs to see this documentary so that they may understand that a known cure for cancer is actively being deliberately suppressed because the so-called quote-unquote treatment of cancer is big business and the pharmaceutical and medical industries continue to put their desires for profit above the care of people. So that's the documentary that we're going to be showing this Thursday August 21st in South Philadelphia at the Guerin Recreation Center, 1600 Jackson Street. For more information, you can check out truthfreedomprosperity.org. My Streetwise Spirituality Seminar 
is now online. It's been posted both to my website and to my YouTube channel. You could check it out on the videos page of my website. It is in the news section. Of course, it's on my YouTube channel. It's also posted in the latest news right now on the left-hand side of the whatonearthishappening.com website. Um, for people who aren't familiar, in this seminar, I presented 20 factors which define the whole, are the defining hallmarks of what I consider to be real spiritual awakening as opposed to the quote-unquote new age variant of what uh, many people in that movement consider what awakened consciousness means. I want to thank once again Ray Mum for hosting this seminar in St. Louis back in uh, May, and I want to thank Adnan from ufohub.net for his video recording and editing of this seminar. I also was interviewed on Red Ice Radio, redicecreations.com, just a phenomenal wealth of knowledge uh, for everyone out there in the world to explore and to take in a truly eclectic array of information from uh, literally hundreds of uh, people who are uh, full-time researchers uh, bringing occult and esoteric knowledge to the masses. So I was once again interviewed uh, on Red Ice Radio this past week, uh, of course hosted by Henrik Palmgren, uh, on August 11th. The main topics we talked about was how the New Age movement subtly teaches its adherents to ignore self-defense and self-preservation. And I'll pick this up on the other side of this break. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening. Stay with us. Let's swim to the moon. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on RBN. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. I was briefly talking about my Red Ice Radio appearance of this past week. Uh, In it, uh, me and Henrik discussed uh, how the New Age movement subtly teaches uh, the people who follow it to really uh, not put too much focus or attention on their inherent right of self-defense and self-preservation. And that's really what this religion is designed to do, to get people to stand down and, and accept tyranny. In the second hour, I um, outlined some of the uh, factors of true spiritual awakening, which I presented in my Streetwise Spirituality Seminar. So you could uh, check that out. That's also in my uh, news section of my website and uh, on the left-hand side of the site under latest news. You could also uh, go to redicecreations.com as well. So um, 
last week I was not, I did not do a show. I took a little bit of time off for uh, personal reasons. I celebrated my 40th birthday last week. Uh, my birthday was on August 12th. I turned 40 years old. And uh, I just felt like I wanted to take a little bit of personal time. And, uh, you know, even someone who's a slave to truth such as myself, I think, is occasionally entitled to a little bit of uh, leisure time. So I took the week off last week. Um, one other quick event announcement, or not an event announcement, but a quick announcement. There is, as always, a donation button on the left-hand side of the whatonearthishappening.com website. Uh, if you feel that you've received value from the information I've shared and presented on this radio show, feel free to make a voluntary donation to help support my work so that I can continue it into the future. Uh, every little bit is uh, very much appreciated and welcomed, so thank you so much for those who have contributed. Um, I want to let everyone know where they can find the images for the show, the images for the presentation slides that I'll be talking about this evening. You can go to the whatonearthishappening.com radio show tab. Just click on radio show with the tabs at the top. And underneath the player for the live show, for the live broadcast, you'll see images for tonight's show. Those are the two flyers for the events I talked about, my um, Demystifying the Occult seminar and the Truth, Freedom, Prosperity documentary night that's coming up. And then under that, you'll see Cosmic Abandonment Slides Part 1 and 2. We are on part two. I rounded up last week on, I believe it was slide number 102, where I started talking about the origins of money and the origins of the perceived intrinsic value of gold. And that's where we're going to pick up this evening. So uh, these uh, links on the page are set up as numerical links. If you click on the link, it will open up a little slideshow where you could follow along with the images. If you prefer, instead of doing that, I know my site has been a little bit slow. Uh, it's been under some um, hacker, hacker attacks in recent weeks, and it's been hit with denial of service, distributed denial of service attacks, because obviously when you are over the target, you get the flack as the saying goes in warfare parlance. You know, I'm here talking about the origins of religion, the origins of money, the origins of government and the whole control system that we are living under. And when you're talking about things that people do not want you discussing, do not want the masses of people to even consider, let alone know about, um, then you're going to come under hard attack from people who will just do whatever they are commanded to do for a paycheck because they are house slaves. Okay, that's all it's really about, you know. And 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 it's not going to stop me from saying what I'm saying. It's not going to stop people from listening to what I'm saying because the truth remains the truth and is indestructible. It can never be destroyed. The only people who think that they can do that are living under a total illusion, and they're kidding themselves. So that's what I have to say about that. So um, let's uh, move on into the material for this evening. I'm going to pick up talking about the absolute um, bogus idea of the intrinsic value of gold and where this came from, okay? I, t I started talking last week about the word intrinsic and what it really means. It means having value in a natural setting, in nature, okay? It means that you could actually use it in a utilitarian sense, not because someone believes in it, 
Okay, not because someone has a perception that it is valuable, but because it is actually in nature valuable to you. And I talked about what it meant for something to have intrinsic value. Okay, and all money does not have intrinsic value. It is all the perception of value with whatever kind of money we are talking about, any kind of paper currency, any kind of precious metal, any kind of uh, um, information stored electronically on a computer screen that supposedly represents real world wealth. It is all only existent in the perceptions of the person who uh, thinks that that has actual value. Okay, It's a belief system. Intrinsic as a word actually means having value in nature. Okay, it means that you can either eat it or take some type of sustenance from it, eat or drink it, okay, and it will nourish you. And we can talk about how gold can actually be used as uh, uh, an internal substance in the human body. That's for a later discussion when we get into monatomics and talk about monatomic gold and how this may very well have been the intrinsic value that the beings that we have been talking about here in the cosmic abandonment presentation for the last several weeks viewed the value of gold. Okay, But I'm talking about traditional perception of gold as having value to human beings. Okay, when we don't even really know what this substance is or what it actually can do. We don't understand why it's seemingly eternal and can never really be destroyed or tarnished. Okay, um, to, to go back to the concept of what intrinsic really means. Intrinsic means you can nourish yourself with it, you can clothe yourself with it, or shelter yourself with it, meaning protect yourself from the elements with it. So nourishment, protection from the elements, all right, you can make a, if you can make some kind of a weapon out of it to protect yourself, so protection from harm, from harmful threats, all right, and, you know, really that's about it. That's what intrinsic means. Now, again, there's other forms of intrinsic value in a technological civilization, in a technological civilization, certain metals are going to be valued because of the ways that they can be used for technology, for conductivity, for storage, etc. Okay? Now, we've only come into the realm of technology really in the past hundred years or so in humanity, you know, a little over a hundred years. So for the vast, vast, vast time that humanity has existed, we're talking about um, you know, people who haven't been using gold in that fashion as a technology. Now, there are people who would say, well, maybe gold was used as a technology in the ancient human past, and that's just lost knowledge. That's very possible as well. Okay, so that would be one of the legitimate intrinsic values for gold. But when people talk about using it as a system of exchange, as part of a monetary system, this is all perception. This has nothing to do with real intrinsic value. You could use anything as a mechanism of perception. And people will say, well, the reason is because it was be able to be held for long periods of time. It was it never tarnished, okay? Yeah, but again, the whole idea of money is something that exists in perception. 
We'll pick this up on the other side of the break. Ladies and gentlemen, stay with us. Listening to What on Earth is Happening here on the Republic Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. We were talking about the fallacy of the concept of the intrinsic value of gold to human beings, particularly human beings in the ancient past, and how the word intrinsic means having natural value, meaning can you nourish yourself with it, can you protect yourself from the element elements with it, or can you protect yourself from an external threat with it? The other aspect of intrinsic value is can you use it for some type of uh, technology, higher technology? And if the answer is no, then it doesn't have intrinsic value. And again, people will make the argument, well, people chose gold because it was simply uh, a good replacement um, you know, a, a good way of keeping the value of something because it didn't tarnish like other metals did. But again, that's still perception of value. It's not intrinsic value. And again, then this is why paper notes were eventually created because they're lighter to carry than gold pieces or bars, etc. The whole idea here is that money is based in perception and is not something that is intrinsic, never has been, never will be. When people talk about gold is real money, you know, it's still based in perceived value and not actual intrinsic value. And what I'm trying to really ultimately get at here is the the ancient peoples only saw gold as inherently valuable because their gods saw it that way. And they took the, their perceptions from the beings who were ultimately in charge of them and ruling them at the time. This is where this whole perception even came from, or human beings would have never started mining and smelting gold. There, it, this fits into the story of cosmic abandonment perfectly because you have to understand if it is true that these beings were here to acquire gold for whatever their purposes were for it, regardless of whether people think it was actually being used for technological purposes or uh, being used uh, as some type of a uh, reflective substance to uh, heal their planet of something that was going wrong with it and they needed to defract or deflect a certain amount of sunlight away from their planet, or if they, you think it has some kind of sh- strange or unknown properties that can be activated in the human consciousness once it is ingested in a certain form, that may also be a reason why they they wanted access to this substance. Regardless of what they were here uh, to use the gold for, it seems that what they did through all the stories that are told about their interactions with the ancient peoples is that they transferred their 
perceived value of this substance, perhaps it was an intrinsically valuable substance to them, onto their human progeny. Okay, so this is where the whole idea of the desire for gold came from, not just because it's pretty and doesn't tarnish. All right, so they essentially gave us our whole concept of money. And again, as I talked about in past weeks, these beings created a monetary system among the population, the human population, in order for them to more effectively deal with the large human numbers, the population that was growing out of control and getting out of their grasp at the time. So they wanted them to have a social strata, social strata that would basically keep the human beings in line and allow them to police themselves. And so if some of them saw themselves as more important because they had more access or had more, had been given more uh, entrusting of the gold of the gods, the gods substance, well, they became important people who other people looked up to and listened to, you know, and wanted to follow in line with. So then the, the quote-unquote gods only had to um, control a smaller portion of the population because then the rest of the people fell in line with those seemingly more important people. It's a divide-and-conquer strategy, and it's a social stratification, and it's a, it's a way that you create hierarchy to get people to fall in line because, hey... People have been tripping over each other since time immemorial to get in line to follow the leader. It's, it's no different now than it was then. We've never come out of that mentality of following others. You know? And I can't overemphasize this enough. I keep telling people I'm not in this to have some kind of a cult or religion created around what I'm saying. I'm in this because I'm trying to put the truth out there for other people to research for themselves, not to follow me or what I'm saying. And some people will agree with what I'm saying and go forward and research it. You know, they'll initially find it interesting and they'll go research it from their for themselves and they'll decide whether they agree or not with the conclusions I've come to. And others, you know, some will dismiss it out of hand and never look into it, and some will uh, look at it uh, because they found it initially intriguing and come to a different conclusion than me, and that's all fine, you know? I want people to do this work for themselves, ultimately, not listen, just listen to me or believe me, as I've said from day one. So we, ha we have to understand that there were perhaps some hidden properties to gold that the beings who came here in our ancient past and created us were knowledgeable about. And I can't claim to have all the answers, folks. There are things I don't know about. There are things that are occulted from us that I do not know all about. I could speculate. I could look into things. And I could try to come to the best conclusion that is possible with the available information that I have access to. But that doesn't mean I know it all. So... You know, I've looked into monoatomic gold. I've taken it myself. And I can tell you it does have certain mental properties when it's ingested. It does have certain properties related to sleep and dreaming and things like that that I've noticed anyway. But, you know, I don't know whether I would go out of my way to state that that just may be the reason that they found this substance so intrinsically valuable. It may be. Who knows? And again, they may have used it 
in some kind of a technological way that we don't understand as well. Whatever it was, it seems it had intrinsic value to them and they passed their perceived value of it on to us and then we looked at it as, uh, the early humans looked at it as, well, this is the substance that the gods find so important and appealing and therefore it's important and appealing to us. And that's why it became the original, essentially the original source of money. Uh, the, uh, a system that the quote-unquote gods had given to humanity and put in place to make them more easily controllable. And as I call money today, it is the god of this world. You know, as I was starting to allude to last week, these gods in their the later part of their interactions with humanity, more likely after the, the, the last cataclysm that took place on the earth, the deluge, probably around 13,000 years back, um, they started really warring amongst themselves um, to see who would be worshipped as the god of this planet. You know, the god above all, as many of them called it. And um, I think uh, the winner came out in the form of the monetary system itself. That's what they really put in place as, as a proxy, the ultimate religion. You know, the most powerful religion and the most powerful god of this world, the god above all, is money. At least that's what it is right now on this planet. And... Um, you know, that's most people's God. That's why I put that image here in this slide. You know, this is most people's God. And it's sad. I, I, I always say, if, if a piece of paper is your God, you deserve slavery. You know, if that's what people uh, think is the most valuable thing that they should be putting all their energy and life to acquire, I, I think uh, slavery is exactly where they belong and need to stay. Because they're a danger to the rest of the cosmos if that's how screwed up their mind works, as far as I'm concerned. You know, so, I mean, you really need to know, look to no other uh, causal factor. Not understanding natural law, putting money above the difference between right or wrong. There's the very thing that keeps this, this race enslaved, and rightfully so. It, it belongs to stay right in its chains as long as that's the current condition in the bulk of humanity's mind. In the bulk of our mindset, as long as that remains the way people think, slavery is exactly how it should be. And get as offended about that as you like. You know, that's how natural law actually works. Period. Until that mindset changes, don't expect the external condition to change. And enjoy the chains that are on the whole species. Enjoy it. You know, but most people, they're not even at a level of consciousness to even understand how that connection works. We'll pick this up on the other side of the break. Folks, don't go anywhere. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. 
I um been talking about the fallacy of the in perceived quote unquote intrinsic value of gold in human society and where this came from. The beings that ultimately created the human species put this value here with us because they created the whole concept of a monetary system in order to get people to essentially control themselves through the organization of social strata uh, and the perception of more important people because they had more of the God's gold. And again, when you look at accounts of some more developed civilizations coming into contact with older civilizations that had uh, kind of stayed as tribal indig indigenous cultures, uh, particularly like when the Spaniards came into contact with the Inca Empire, um, they always told of accounts where these older cultures would say that all of the gold in their possession, in their society, w did not belong to them. And, you know, some of these other more so-called advanced cultures that had come into contact with them were confused by that and w would say, what do you mean by that? Why would you say this isn't yours? It's here, isn't it? It's It's among your people. It's in your your culture, it's here in your civilization and your buildings and your artifacts, you know, uh, why would you say it's not yours? And they said their answer was almost universally the same. It was the gold belongs to the gods, to our ancient gods, and we are simply the caretakers of it for them. So, you know, what did they mean by that? It very well could mean that you know, exactly at face value what they're talking about. You know, it's not some symbolic spiritual message that you need to dig down and interpret. They're talking about the physical gold that they used. They didn't look at it as theirs, and they looked at it as belonging to their ancestor gods. You know, and they were just stewards of it for them until they returned. So, um, I don't want to really belabor the point on money and gold too much. That's not what I wanted to make this whole show about, but um, I feel it was important to reiterate the concepts of the fallacy of the intrinsic value of gold as many people, you know, the gold bugs out there still think this is the solutions somehow for the woes of humanity. Um, you would just be replacing one form of enslavement and religion for another, that's all. And that's all people seem to want to do. You know, they don't want to actually be free away from erroneous belief systems. They want to take one religion and replace it with another religion. Um, so what I really want, wanted to start moving into, if we move to slide number 103, well, uh, before we do that, I just want to say um, I haven't really talked a lot about the monoatomics uh, and the possible value in that as uh, ha as gold having. Um I would rather put that off for a whole nother show sometime, and then maybe I could interview an expert in monoatomics, which I do not consider myself. I've read a little bit about it. I know a little bit about it. Maybe, you know, I could bring someone on that really has a lot of experience and could explain some more of the physics to that in the in a future show. So, with that having been said, I'm going to rest that topic for now, uh, and uh, we'll revisit it in, at a future show. And let's move on to slide 103. Slide 103, um, again, this whole section is about why do we have certain institutions 
and certain control systems that we have today, where were their origins in our ancient past? And, you know, we've already talked about the origins of religion. And we've just kind of wrapped up talking about the origins of money. We've talked about the origins of occultism and dark occultism and secret society networks, etc. What about the (coughs) origin of government and kingship? Okay, where did that come from? And again, in the story of that we had outlined in the story of our past in a pre- previous show dealing with this cosmic abandonment presentation which of course you could always go back into the archives and check all that out um, you know that's several shows back now we're on this is podcast number 166 this evening for those who might be listening via podcast um, you know you could go back and you know hear the, the story about how these beings essentially put pharaohs and kings, priest kings, into place, uh, representing their authority over humanity, okay, as the gods, the demigods, okay, the gods interbred with humanity, and once again, you know, please recognize I'm saying gods with a small g in double quotes, wrapping it in double quotes, I don't think that they're real gods, okay, And I think it's very important for me to reiterate that because when people hear me telling this story, they always go back, well, do you see these beings as gods? I still get emails. You know, if people saw the emails I get by people hearing snippets of what I say without hearing it in full context of the past shows, you'd be surprised at how many people do not understand what I'm saying. They misinterpret it because they want to listen for five minutes and think they understand what I'm saying. That's why I tell you, you have to go back and listen to all the podcasts from number one. But if you just want to go back and listen to the stuff on cosmic abandonment, I think I've made it abundantly clear, almost to the point of nausea, that I don't think these were real gods. Um, But that's what they called themselves, you know, to get other people to follow them and obey their commands. And that's how other people saw them because of their advanced technology being sort of indistinguishable from the supernatural from their perspective. So they interbred with humanity, as we saw in the story of our past, and they essentially put some of their offspring, their hybrid offspring, which was a combination between themselves and humanity, into positions of power. I simply refer to these beings as the demigods because they were partial quote-unquote gods and partial human, uh, had human characteristics and, and traits as well. So these these beings that they put into positions of power were hybrids and they didn't have as long of lifespans as them but certainly longer than regular human beings and they didn't have they had a combination of an appearance. Their appearance was more similar to the gods. Of course, their genetics was more similar to the gods, but it had human genetic material in it as well, of course. And so humans were more readily willing to accept their commands, fall in line under them, accept them as their rulers, because they weren't really fully human. They were part Anunnaki, the the name that the Sumerians ascribed to these beings. They were part, you know, full quote-unquote God, and they were part human. Uh, The Bible refers to these beings, these hybrid beings, as Nephilim, meaning 
those who fell. A simple translation from the Hebrew verb nafal, which means to fall. It's actually where we really get the English word fall comes down to us from nafal. So <clears throat> they were the fallen ones, and people interpret this meaning as fallen angels. Yeah, well, if you see the original quote-unquote gods as being angels from the sky, these were the beings that couldn't go back to their planet after their mission was over because they were hybrids, and that was forbidden by their planet's rules. So yeah, they were fallen to the earth. They had to stay here. And they were put into the chief positions of power and, quote, authority in our world because they had more of the, quote, God's genetics within them. And if you just think about that, it makes perfect sense when you think of bloodline being the reason that kingship is passed down. It's not passed down through ability. It's not passed down through righteousness. It's not passed down through traits of the individual. It's passed down through blood through kinship, through who was your father, who was your son, who was your mother, who was your daughter. You know, it's about genetics. It's about blood transference from one, you know, group of people to another, and therefore handing so-called authority, perceived authority, down to those future generations. So why would people think that there would be such a thing as divine right of kings connected to blood if there wasn't something physical to this story if there wasn't some kind of physical tangible reason that the inherent ability to rule was perceived in this way because these beings actually came from another species of beings we'll pick this up on the other side folks stay with us second hour of the broadcast for this evening. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We're going through the extended Cosmic Abandonment presentation. Cosmic Abandonment is a presentation that explores the connection between the interference theory of human origins and the current human condition. So we're into uh, part two of this whole presentation, this extended presentation, which is about why do we have the social structures and institutions that we have? What are their origins? Where did they come from? Why did people start believing the things, the ridiculous, erroneous notions, the bad thought processes, the absolutely false religious beliefs that they have come to? You know, And uh, where did that all come from? What was the origin of all that bad, wrong thinking? Did it have some sort of a physical, historical origin in the ancient past? 
I believe that it did. And the whole notion of kingship and the divine right to rule and that having to do with bloodline lineage comes directly out of the story of our past, of human origins, of these ancient watcher beings or fallen angel type beings. People have called them many different things. They've called them the gods. They've called them the watchers. They've called them the fallen angels or simply angels. They've called them the ones who came down, the ones who fell. You know, many, many different names. In the modern day, we refer to them as possibly extraterrestrial beings or even extra dimensional beings. Who knows? Again, whatever the nature of, of these beings are, they came here and essentially set up a kingdom for themselves as gods to rule over. At least a faction of them did. I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush and say every single being felt that way, but certainly a large enough faction of them wanted to do that. And they positioned themselves as our gods because they were our creators genetically. And you know, they looked at it like since they made us, they have a right to do with us as they will, and we have to listen to them. They are our quote-unquote cosmic parents. We are their cosmic stewards, and we don't have a right to for self-determination. We don't have a right to essentially uh, own ourselves. And so they created kingship, which was the beginnings of government on this planet. It was the first governments, essentially. And again, they put the people... The, the, the demigods into these positions of power and authority because they didn't really want to do that work themselves. They didn't want to do the administrative tasks of running daily life here on this planet themselves. Oh no, they were too lofty and, and you know, otherworldly and busy to do that. You know, they had other goals and aspirations. They put their hybridized prodigy into that role, you know, and set them up as the king or the the priest king or pharaoh that had to be worshipped and listened to and obeyed without question. You know, this is the origin of royalty. This is the origin of kingship, which eventually began over time because too many people began to see it as the absolute farce that it is. Uh, It slowly degenerated over many, many uh, millennia into the notion of government and representational government. Also equally as complete bunk illusions as, you know, this original form of government, which was called kingship um, or royalty. And, uh, you know, it's all been a complete farce, a complete fantasy, a complete illusion, something that doesn't exist in nature, something that has no validity to it, something that has no... um, you know, absolutely not one shred of legitimacy whatsoever. And, um, <clears throat> you know, people insist that anything has changed, you know, because now we have governments that are representative of people, of the people's wishes. Really, really, 95% of The American people don't want us involved in a lot of the foreign entanglements that we are right now, but we're still there, you know. Over 95% of the American people didn't want bailouts of these super mega banks, but that happened anyway, didn't it? 
the vast majority of people aren't for any gun control measures whatsoever, at least in this country, thank God. And yet you're still seeing the encroachment of gun control happening constantly, trying to continuously sneak it in at every opportunity and turn by our so-called representatives. Now, that's why the whole idea of represent, representative government in general is a huge farce and an illusion. Because it presumes that there is authority over other people at all. And anybody can be, quote, represented. There's only one authority that exists over any human beings. It's called natural law. It's called the laws of morality that are in place in the universe, put in place by the real God of creation. Period. God with a capital G, and you might as well capitalize the O and the D too. Because I'm not talking about lowercase God with double quotes around it, like these completely imbalanced creatures who came here and did the things that they did to this planet and us did, you know, has nothing to do with the God of creation. They, they would, they would claim to usurp the role of that force in nature I don't even want you don't even have to look at it as a being if you have a problem with the word God. Look at it as a force, an underlying force of organization and intelligence present in nature. I'm perfectly comfortable with the word God, but if somebody else isn't, hey, look at it however you want. Whatever makes you feel comfortable. But if you think mankind is the highest power in, cre in creation and we get to make up the difference between right and wrong, you think just like your owners do. That's exactly how they think. We're the highest power in creation. We get to rule over these beings. We get to make up the difference between right and wrong. Who can tell us otherwise? You know? Forget about what's really truly right or wrong. No. Forget those laws that exist in nature. We don't want to know about that. We want to ignore that. We want to believe that doesn't exist. And you wonder, we wonder why we're still in a prison cell. As if people even need to ask that question. Because they never make the connection. See, that's how, that's how people never make that karmic connection. That whether our actions in our alignment with right or wrong behavior determines whether we are free or not. No, that connection is never made in people's cognitive association. Because most people don't have cognitive association. They've been too dumbed down and conditioned and brainwashed and mind-controlled to ever develop that cognitive associative, associative thinking. You know, God forbid, that might take, God forbid, folks, that might actually require effort and time and willpower and reading and taking in information from an eclectic variety of sources and then filtering it and thinking about it and processing it, making up your own mind about it. Can't have that. Population wants nothing whatsoever to do with that. You know? Let's hit the strip bar. Let's go to the game. Pass me a beer. That's all. And just pursue that hedonistic lifestyle never-endingly. The whole time, sitting in a cage. Makes a whole lot of sense to me. We'll pick this up on the other side, folks. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. Let's climb through the tide. 
is happening here on RBN. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We were talking about the origin of kingship, the origin of government, the origin of the quote-unquote divine right to rule, the origin of passing on the continuance of this rulership through bloodline, all having to do with the quote-unquote gods of the ancient world who had come here in search of whatever resources they wished to procure from this planet created a quote-unquote species of primitive workers, as they referred to us, and essentially then decided, well, these are our quote-unquote cosmic children. We're going to rule over them as their parents and uh, essentially create a society in which we are worshipped as God. And that's essentially what they did for tens of thousands of years. And it's still going on today. Nothing has changed. You know, this whole idea of kingship was what was known as the old world order. It's what we call it today because it's what went on thousands, tens of thousands of years back. And I'm moving on to slide number 104 to illustrate this point, this concept. The old world order was kingship. It was, you know, society being ruled by a priest, a king, or a some, some type of combination of the two, of those two dynamics, a religious leader or a political leader. Um, and that authority being given to him by God, quote unquote, directly. He is divinely appointed. See, the gods put him in that position of power because of his blood. Therefore, his blood is different than other people's blood. And in this case, it was. That's not to say he should have any right to rule over other people, but that is why probably so many people went along with it. You know, because they looked at these beings as somehow supernatural entities in their limited awareness and perspective of what they really were. They had certainly had much more advanced technology and could perform feats that seemed like supernatural or magical feats to them. So they were gods in their eyes. And they appointed a ruler in their stead, you know, who would basically do their bidding and pass their commands down onto the people in this hierarchical system that they would have created. This was called simply kingship or what I label it here the concept of authority vested in one being and of course I write the word authority in quotes because it's a total illusion it's completely illegitimate there is zero legitimacy to it never had any legitimacy there isn't any now and there never will be any legitimacy to a king there's no such thing as a king who has the actual right in nature to rule over other people If there is anybody left on this planet who actually believes that, they're so mentally ill that I feel absolutely sorry for them, how broken their brain is. 
you know, and if anybody thinks that they're under deeper mind control that I am ever capable of helping anyone to come out of. But then again, so many people still actually believe in this concept indirectly, which we'll get to. The concept of authority vested in one is, the, the definition of this co- whole concept is, a system that is based entirely in violence because what it's really based on is coercion. It doesn't make a difference whether the ruler is saying something to the people that they don't want or don't want to do. In this system, the people are perceived as having some kind of a moral obligation to obey the master's wishes. Okay? To obey the king's wishes. And he is claiming to have a moral um, right to rule over them and to give them, issue them commands. So, this system is totally based in coercion right from Jump Street, right from the get-go. Okay? It's based in violence as such. And it's built upon the erroneous, which means absolutely false, fake, you know, somebody who believes in it falsely and is wrong for doing so, therefore they are in error, that's where the word erroneous, what erroneous means, the erroneous and dogmatic, meaning it's unchallenged, unwavering belief. It's just hammered into somebody's mind from the time that they're young and then they believe in it unquestioningly. Their dogmatic belief, which these two things constitute a religion, an incorrect and dogmatic belief system is religion, which is what the belief in the legitimacy of kingship always has been. It is a religion. Most people will not have ever heard something, you know, basically said like that, that kingship is a religion. Authority in general is a religion. Okay, it's a religion, and their main, the main belief is that one person is the master who possesses a moral right to issue commands to the whole body of his population, and all others in that population are his subjects. They are subjected to his wishes, his whims, his commands, and they have a moral obligation to obey the commands that are set by that master. Now, just think about that whole concept. Is that not what kingship is and was? Yeah, that's exactly what kingship was and in certain places in the world sadly there still exists political kings it's always been a religion that's based in a belief that isn't true it's based in a belief that is erroneous that is only a claim a claim made by one individual that i'm god on the earth you have to do what i say and you know you have some kind of a moral obligation to obey me and if you don't i'll do coercion and violence to you through other people that i've gotten to believe this absolute nonsense bunk and i'll have them do violence unto you of course i won't soil my hands myself because you know one i couldn't cuz i'm not i'm not big and bad enough to do that anyway i have to have a cult that i've built based on complete false religion you know and my Idiot cult followers who don't think for themselves and just want to listen to what they're told to do and follow orders, they'll do all that violence to you. I'll never touch you. I'll never lay a hand on you. You know? But my moronic cult followers, oh, they'll go and do whatever I tell them to do. And folks, let me tell you something. I was talking with a friend about this this week. This is why you'll never really hear me talk really, really angrily about the masters of this world. I don't talk about the people who currently rule the world 
in a real super nasty way. I call them psychopaths because that's what they are. They're psychopathic people. They're like animals who do not have the capacity to actually feel. That's not really saying something angrily about them or something that's really emotionally charged. If you really think about all my past comments about the, quote, ruling class, it's very sort of cold and dispassionate, okay? It's like I'm just explaining their nature, I've, I likened it to this when I talked with another person about this, okay? I likened it to, would you get super emotionally charged and try to talk to or out against a tiger that had just ripped through a village and eaten a child or something like that? You know, if you lived, let's say, in a, in a tribal culture in Africa and a tiger comes ripping through the village and eats a child, you'd be angry at the event, at what took place. You'd be heartbroken and, and you know possibly really, you know, really emotionally in upheaval over that event taking place. But would what I'm asking you is, would you actually try to like get up in the face of the tiger and get all crazy emotional and like be yelling things to the tiger? You might go get a high powered rifle and put a bullet through the tiger's head and be done with it. And that still isn't going to take the hurt away of a child being killed. But the whole point is, that's an animal doing what an animal does if it's desperate and hungry. You know, to get super upset and mad and angry at that tiger, you know, is nonsensical. It doesn't even make any sense because that's just what a tiger may do in that instance. You know, well, that's the same thing as the ruling class. I never get really angry with them. They're animals who act the way an animal acts. What I do get mad with is order followers who do their bidding. We'll pick this up on the other side. Stay with us. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. Before the break, I was talking about the fact that I, you never really hear me get too emotionally charged when I talk about the quote-unquote ruling class, the powers that shouldn't be, you know, the order givers, so to speak. What I do get very emotionally charged when I talk about is order followers, because these are the people that actually carry out the wishes for these lunatic psychopaths. You know, they're the ones who are basically at the behest of these animals and doing their bidding for them. An animal is just what it is. It's their, it's their very nature. Uh, a primary psychopath cannot act any other way than how it acts. It's a genetic anomaly a, a degenerative genetic condition that is a result more likely than not of the genetic modification that these beings did to us in, in the distant past, creating this condition as we talked about weeks ago. But um, that just is how they are. So I don't really harbor that much ill will against them. I disagree with what they do. I think that they really shouldn't be doing what they're doing, and but that doesn't mean that that's going to make it so, that that's just going to magically make it, sh- make it so. They're going to continue to act the way that they act because that's all they know and that's all they are, and they're not capable of becoming any more than that. Something is cut off from them, you know? 
you know, I, I liken it to, you know, your your sit, people sit there thinking that, that somehow they could regrow their capacity to feel. That's not what primary psychopathy is. And people don't want to admit or acknowledge this condition exists in the world. You know, it's it's just like an amputation. You know, you're you're not going to uh, say to a person who doesn't have hands, you know, um, I'm going to teach you how to uh, have a lot of dexterity with sculpting, you know. You're not going to be a sculptor with your hands at least, okay? <laughs> Sculpt with your feet or your tongue, but it's not going to happen with hands that you don't have. If you were born with some kind of a uh, genetic dysfunction or condition where you were born without hands or arms, it's not there. The capacity's not there. It's like you're going to try to teach mathematics to a cow. The capacity's not there. They're not going to be able to ever grasp algebra or calculus or, you know, probability and statistics. It isn't going to happen. It's the same thing with a psychopath. A psychopath's not going to feel. It's not going to have, you know, emotional uh, re- repercussions for their behavior. You know, they're, they're, they're incapable of that. So I, why get all emotionally charged, you know, talking out against someone like that? That's a program that's running. That's a machine of some kind. That's a flesh robot, you know? That's not even a, an actual being with, that, that has true free will. That's some broken entity that is, you know, operating like an automaton robot and just doing what it does like a wind-up doll who does have actual free will are the people who they get to follow them and do their bidding for them. Those people are actually abdicating and trying to hand over their free will responsibility to choose right from wrong for themselves to someone else. And who they're giving it to is a psychopath. Now that I could get emotionally charged about because they're the ones who are making this world a prison. They are the cause. They are the ones who are actually doing it. And if you don't understand that yet, you're totally asleep. You're completely asleep. If you have any respect for police, if you have any respect for military, if you have any respect for any people whose job it is to follow somebody else's orders, you are asleep. You don't know the first thing about truth. You don't know the first thing about enlightenment at all. At all. Blanket statement. Blanket statement. 100% that way all the time. Eternally. I don't care who it offends. Because I'm not here to be liked or play a popularity contest. I'm here to tell the harsh, hardcore, uncomfortable truth that needs to be understood and integrated for this species to come out of its slavery. So, speaking of that word, let's move on to slide number 105. Because if you think that the concept of authority vested in one person as a king, okay, is anything other than slavery, you are also completely unconscious. You don't know what the truth about this reality is. You don't understand that that's completely inherently illegitimate. There is no legitimacy to the concept of kingship, the old world order, the concept of a king ruling everybody else because some kind of imaginary authority is vested in him. 
Let's call it what it really is without euphemizing it, without applying a euphemism, which is a word to make a concept sound better than it really is. That's all a euphemism ever is. It's the definition of what a euphemism is. Let's stop applying a euphemism and calling this kingship or even rulership. This is called slavery if we're being honest with ourselves. If we're being honest with ourselves, which most people aren't. They want to lie. They want to justify. They want to give excuses for order followers who keep slavery in place. You know? Because they don't want to admit that they've been wrong about something they've formerly believed. That is their religion. Their religion. Moving on to slide number 106. So my question at this point in the presentation becomes, what has changed? Has anything since the days of the quote-unquote old world order and kingship changed? And again, what I want people to understand, even when I use the word old world order, okay, put order, I really should in these slides have wrapped order in double quotation marks, okay? I do that now on my more modern stuff, my more recent stuff, okay? It wasn't order. This was not nothing that resembled actual order. It was total and pure chaos because slavery is chaos. If the condition was slavery, it was chaos. People have to understand that. You could have slavery run by coercion where all of the slaves are well-kept, well-fed, well-cared for, but they're still slaves, and that condition is not orderly. doesn't make a difference if nobody kills anybody, if nobody does anything, uh, you know, just unexpected or, you know, in some way that people wouldn't know how to react. It wouldn't make a difference how seemingly chaotic, beha orderly behavior was in that situation. It would still be chaos. Slavery is chaos, okay? Period. All the time. That's why people think through harshly or directly controlling somebody else, you could somehow create a state of order. It's not possible. It can't be done. They are antitheses of each other. Those two states are the direct polar opposite antitheses of each other. Control and order. The only kind of control that could ever bring out order is self-control that can ever bring about order is self-control. Meaning you're choosing according to your own free will decision-making processes to act within the boundaries of right under natural law by your own control of your own behavior. That's the only kind of control that can ever bring about order. The external control of other people can never bring about order. So the concept of government has anything changed since the days of the, quote, old world, quote, order concept of kingship? Has anything really changed in the modern world? Do we have the same condition? Of course we do. It's the same exact thing, except now the so-called, quote, unquote, authority is distributed over a group of people. You know, this is where the whole concept of government came from. From these beings having been put in their positions of power in the world as the kings of the old world, of the ancient world. And now, since people started to question that, question the inherent legitimacy of a king, 
as having legitimacy to rule over a whole body, a whole population of people. Well, the powers that be, the bloodline progeny of these ancient bloodlines, which is what the people in the real high-ranking positions of power always have been, decided they had to go more covert and distribute the alleged authority, the claim of authority, over a wider body of people and take more people into that fold. And so we have oligarchical governments, representational governments. We'll pick this up on the other side of this break, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back. I'd say that's pretty good advice. We do need to wake up from our sleep. If people believe in the legitimacy of authority and government, they are indeed asleep. And I mean snoring and snoozing well past the alarm has sounded and the snooze button has been hit several times as well. So uh, we were talking about, you know, the old world order concept of kingship and how that was slavery uh, by, you know, uh, it's euphemized term kingship or rulership uh, and how nothing really has changed except that the concept of government that comes down to us in the modern world is just a, a distributing of the alleged claim of authority instead of it being vested in one person it comes into a group of people so slide 107 um Really, what you have to be under, as I said, to believe in the legitimacy of any kind of authority is mind control. And it's very interesting to note that the actual word government literally means mind control when we break it down into its etymological component roots. The verb gubernare in Latin, which in classical Latin was, of course, rendered with a B, gubernare, because there was no V in classical Latin, uh, and the V comes through later phonetic drift and a phonetic morphing and change into other languages. The verb gubernare in Latin, where we get the term gubernatorial, meaning related to a governor, means to control. And the Latin noun mens mentis, which is where the second part of the word government meant, any English word that ends in ment comes from, is mind. And yes, that is the actual derivation, the etymology. I've been through this a million times, ad nauseum with people. Uh, Mens mentis is the second part of the word government. It's where it came from etymologically. It's where any word that ends in ment, meaning the state of or the condition of, comes from. Because for any state or condition in the actual reality, the uh, manifested reality that we live in to come about, the, the, the idea or concept of that thing has to first exist in mind in of that thing that state or that condition so mind is this is according to the principle of mentalism 
that ultimately everything is mind and everything flows from mind. There had to be an idea or an archetype first, and then from there, then you brought that into physical manifestation or the condition into physical manifestation, the object or the condition. So that is why the people who originated and put together the English language over time chose the Latin word meant, meaning mind, to mean the state of or the condition of. The word government simply means mind control. It always has meant mind control. It does now. It always will. That is what government is. To believe in it is mind control. You have to be under mind control to believe that there is authority vested in man. Period. That's all it really comes down to. And government is the, quote, new world, quote, order. Again, really, on if we move forward to slide number 108, this concept of a new world order based in government and refining itself to a point where there is world government, one unchallenged, unquestioning rulership, okay, um, they're really trying to go back to the old world order of kingship, where instead of a king, it will be the people of the party who act as the king, you know, that's all. It'll just be vested in a slightly larger group of people instead of in one, so, um, <clears throat> the concept of the New World Order is neither new or orderly. That's another thing, you know, I should have corrected this slide and put new in quotes and order in quotes because it's not new. It's something that's the same as what was going on in the old world, in the ancient world, and it can never bring order because it's based in violence and control. The concept of government itself is authority, quote-unquote, authority vested in a group. This system is entirely based in violence through coercion and built upon the erroneous and dogmatic belief or religion that a certain group of people are masters who possess the moral right to issue commands while all others are subjects who have the moral obligation to obey the commands of the master. On slide number 109, I just reiterate that this is slavery. It's the same concept as what was practiced in the ancient world through kingship. So since kingship was a euphemism for slavery and government is the exact same thing except the the so-called authority, the claimed authority is distributed among more people instead of one, it is also slavery. It is the exact same thing. So the answer to the question of what has changed in probably over 200,000 years or more lies on slide number 110. Absolutely nothing has changed. We were under slavery then. We're under slavery now. Only the names have changed. Instead of kingship, they call it government. Instead of slavery ruled by one being, it's now a form of slavery ruled by multiple beings, by a few, comparatively when you put it when you compare it with the totality of the population, a tiny, tiny percent. That's what the new world order is, slavery. And it's no different than what the old world order was. It's the same in concept. And this is just what they want to get back to, is it having, having open rulership out in the open, open dictatorship. That's the goal of all governments, to get back to the whole concept of these beings ruling over us as our gods. Because again, their mentality comes from this abandonment mentality, as we're going to talk about next week. You know, we went into the whole thing, what makes an order follower? 
ultimately an order follower always has abandonment issues they want mommy and they want daddy they don't want to li- they don't want to grow up they don't want to be on their own they don't want to actually think for themselves they want somebody else telling calling the shots and telling them what to do like a parent they just want to act without thought you know just tell me what to do and i'll do it because that's the quote law because a group of people in suits said so. Not because it's right or wrong, no. They don't they could give a damn about what's right or wrong, order followers. You know, and I hear people on other alternative radio shows and I have to laugh hysterically saying, I don't think the police would follow orders to to do anything horrible to the American public or the people there they say that they they're sworn to protect. I don't think the military would ever follow their orders and turn their weapons against the American public. People who think l- like that are so naive. You don't think the military or, poli- or, or police would turn against the American public? I mean, you got to be a joking, imbecilic child to think that way. And call it an ad hominem attack. I don't care what you call it. Call it whatever the hell you want to call it. You don't think the military have already turned against the people and the police have already turned against the people. You're an asleep joke yourself. You don't know what's going on. You can't see what's already taken place in this world, in this country. So, folks, I'm going to go... That's all the slides I'm going to cover for today. We're going to get into the psychological dynamics that underlie order followers and underlie people who want big daddy and big mommy around all the time who don't want to grow up and be true human beings we're going to go into all their psychological dynamics next week and talk about what really makes them tick in their completely undeveloped brains they're the people i have an emotional problem with okay not not the elite psychopaths the so-called elitist psychopaths they're just animals doing what they do that's all you know, and they're a tiny, 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 tiny portion of the whole body of uh, of this species we call humanity. That would be completely negated if we wouldn't have order followers that were so ready to jump to give away their free will to somebody else. They're the real problem. And the people who ideologically support violence, which is what we're going to get into next week. In the next hour, I'll be taking your phone calls. So let me give the call-in number here at the end of this hour briefly. The call-in number to join us next hour, 800-313-9443. Once again, the call-in number to join us for questions, comments, anything that you want to talk about in hour number three. 1-800, it's a toll-free number, 1-800-313-9443. Your questions, your comments coming up in hour number three of the show. Like I said, folks, it's all about owning our personal responsibility, ultimately. Order followers want to give it away, and they think somehow they can create order that way. Only chaos will ever be created by doing that. Stay with us, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. Your calls next hour.
cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Welcome back, everyone. We're into the third hour of tonight's broadcast of What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. As promised, we're going to be taking your calls in the third hour of the show tonight. The call-in number to join us, 800-313-9443. Once again, toll-free, 800-313-9443. Call in and talk about anything you want, anything we've covered in the Cosmic Abandonment presentation, the extended presentation so far, uh, or anything else for that matter. Never any taboo topics here on what on earth is happening. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Let's hear from Twain in California. You are live on what on earth is happening. Welcome. Thank you, Mark. Uh, First time calling and first time actually I've listened to your show. I've listened to many of your tapes and learned a lot from you, and I appreciate that. Um, a couple of things. One of the things I wanted to let you know about is I was able to break through mind control with something called the CES device. And it basically, it's uh, cranial electro, electrostimulation. Okay. So I dropped that out there. Um, it's also good for PTSD, depression, supposedly anxiety, and I guess even drug abuse, supposedly, that people have been able to get off of this in the 70s and 80s, like even one of the Rolling Stones, apparently, was able to get off. I don't know what he was on, but without any uh, withdrawals. So, anyway. And is this a frequency thought, generator device? Um, it's, it generates electricity. Like okay. A couple of amps, and you put it on each earlobe. I don't know if it's using um, acupuncture points or not, but you don't, it's nothing special. You just clip it onto the bottom of your, each of your earlobes, and then turn it up to where you can feel it, and then gradually turn it down until you can no longer feel it. And they say to only use it for 20 to 30 minutes, but I wasn't getting much use out of, or much efficacy out of that rate, and I dialed it up a bit and actually broke through, you know, depression and everything. It's really an amazing device. We're electrical beings, so, you know, who knows uh, once we tap into the right frequencies or fields uh what that may change in us you know in a deep way in a profound way but i'm glad it was able to help you yeah no kidding so it's fantastic the other thing is have you heard of anybody using uh common law successfully i'm finding lots of people using them but i'm having a hard time finding anybody that has is at the stage that they've been successful with the common law grand jury I hear some things about it, but I I personally am not too hopeful when it comes to any kind of solutions that lie within the system of man's law at all. Um, I just don't think there's any legitimacy to it to begin with. Natural law is the only inherently legitimate authority or law in the universe, and until man obeys that, good luck with with any other solution. Until people understand that that's what governs whether we are free or not, and we start aligning our behavior according to those laws of morality, there's freedom is not possible. Cannot ever be acquired. It cannot ever be manifested. So So they the others follow that. Yeah, I mean exact 
the, no, see, the, all of man's law is based on moral relativism, which goes against natural law in mo- most of the time. So uh, all of man's law is basically either redundant or it is completely can be completely thrown out because it's not in harmony with natural law. You know, if it is, it, that means it's redundant, and therefore you don't need to state it, write it down. It's already in effect. It's already, you're already bound by it. And if it's not in harmony with natural law, it can't le- legitimately be binding on anybody, so it should be ignored. You know, most of the laws we have now are out of harmony with natural law, or man's laws. So, so you know, uh, right. it's always been illegitimate to begin with. Government's never been legitimate. Man's law is not something that is legitimate because it's based on the concept of authority and and the coercion of the state and the lack of the respect for self-ownership of other individuals. It's it's based in collectivism, it's based in coercion, it's based in violence, and therefore it's not in harmony with natural law. So, I mean, I'm I don't, not saying I don't have some respect for the, the will that some of these people put together to come up with the ideas to do some of these systems. I just think ultimately they're spinning their, their wheels because they're still going to a system that is based in authority to basically ask for their, uh, you know, permission in some form, you know, when it comes to sovereigns, you know, if you're going and filling out paperwork by somebody and that's, you know, uh, asking somebody to respect your sovereignty, well, you're basically saying they have the ability to either respect that or not respect it. So is that really you thinking that, that you're sovereign, you know? So, I, I mean, that's why I don't really subscribe to the free man on the land movements or the common law grand jury movements in general. If it's going through a system that is based in man's law in any way, as far as I'm concerned, there's there's not really legitimacy to it. I think we're already sovereign. See, I don't need anybody's consent to agree that I'm a sovereign being, that I, that I own myself, that I am not a slave of, of another. It doesn't make a difference how many people say that I am, how many people say that I'm not. The eternal truth is that we are sovereign entities, the end. And it can never be otherwise. It can never actually be made any other way than that. It's only all of man's law is just a, of jurisdiction is a claim of authority. So I say, why bother convening grand jury this or that or the other thing? It's all about take your sovereignty it's your possession it's not anybody else's possession to take you know to take away from you we have to stand up and take actual real world action to say we are not going to take this anymore we're not going to accept all this corruption we're not going to accept all these laws that are constraining our freedom it has to be taken freedom is is taken it's either kept or it's taken away and it's been taken away and now we need to take it take back what is rightfully ours there i mean i understand that that's strong words that's strong language that's the only way i really know how to put it openly in a in a conversational way is to say it outright there is no legitimate authority there is no legitimacy to man's law anybody working within that system is working within something that's illegitimate oh well, I don't know if that's, that's not really man's law. If somebody's harmed, that's natural law. You don't harm other sure. people. Surely that's consistent with natural law. So that uh, common law grand jury is the fourth branch of government outside the entire man's law system, I Then thought. how could you call it government? 
How could you legitimately call something government? Government is a system that is based in coercion. If something's uh, not yeah. based in coercion, then you can't rightfully call it government. You can't legitimacy, legitimately say that that's government. Government, by its ve the very definition, is a claim of authority. So are these people claiming that they're an authority over other beings? No, that uh, 24 people will get together and decide if, they're, if somebody has been harmed outside the government system. Okay, well, I have no problem with a group of people coming together and looking at evidence about something that may or may not have taken place and saying, you know, we think that this is what happened or not, that, you know, if people are free to do that. But to, to it, call it a branch of government is where I would take, you know, exception to that. Then. Um, just like, didn't they refer to uh, the, the press, the free, independent, capitalist press as a branch of government? They didn't mean that literally. Okay. And I know you're a so this is like the the fourth estate concept of government in in the sense that the press was supposed to be the check on the institution of government. Yes, I see. Okay, fair enough. You know, um, so my, my take on it is still, you know, that's not going to do too much until we take this existing immoral and corrupt system down. You know. Yeah. No. I trust me. I'm with you. If you only knew. Um, getting back to this royalty, quote-unquote, what is this cannibalism thing that goes with it? Have they, has that always been a part of it? Take a break. Great. Uh, we'll take that on the other side of the break. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We're taking your calls in this hour. Toll-free number to join us, 800-313-9443. Yeah, I want to thank um, Twain for his call in the last segment. He uh, ended that segment asking a question about what it was the role of cannibalism in some of these uh, ancient societies and the, the, the practices that they engaged uh, in with cannibalism and uh, you know, a lot of these ancient um, ruling classes. Uh, perhaps they felt, you know, just my take on it, perhaps they felt that somehow they were preserving certain traits or characteristics that were very strong in the bloodline of some of the people who they perhaps consumed, you know. Uh, that would be one way that they in their mind or in their religious belief or tradition thought that they were going to preserve certain uh, characteristics or abilities. That's the only real way that I see cannibalism uh, being practiced in, by these, uh, you know, occult, uh, covert rulers, uh, especially in the past. Uh, my take is, does that go on now? More likely than not, it, it wouldn't shock me one bit if things like that went on now because... There are practices that I've heard about that go on in the dark occult that would, you know, raise the hair on people's head and prevent them from sleeping at night, you know. So uh, nothing is beyond their capability of 
their degraded degraded morality and absolute um, inhumane mindset as far as I'm concerned. I mean, when people, when these people really are living like animals, uh, there's nothing that you could suggest that I wouldn't put past them being capable of doing. That's what a, what a psychopath is capable of is absolutely anything to another human being or another living person, living entity, period. Um, so I hope that answers my take on that. But uh, let's hear from Ivan in Phoenix. Ivan, welcome back to What on Earth is Happening. Good to hear from you. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you? All right. Um, going through some of the, uh, the self realization of my own cognitive dissonance if that makes any kind of sense okay um, and why I say this is um, it's I, I know David like talked about this once in like an interview or something I heard of his how he started um, at one point like getting rid of all his stuff and cleaning out his home and, and everything like that and that it was kind of like you start tearing down if you're waking up uh, to one form of reality or how things are, you can't hold on to the way things were before. And little by little, things in your life start either disappearing or you got to deconstruct it right. or reconstruct it. And I feel I'm kind of going through that, but mentally it, it's a cognitive dissonance because I know, like I've mentioned before, you know, I, I have uh, two boys, so I still like have that in, in the this man-made system have to pay quote-unquote child support and all this stuff and and everything else but yet I've, i'm struggling with trying to get away from supporting or having to deal with that system but yet i understand and know that that's the system i need to get away from and i one problem i had was with a co-worker constantly telling me um lead by example to lead by example and that's where i get stuck because my example would be get away from this and go live in the mountains, live off nature, and, and you know, that's that's it. Don't deal with this. But then that wouldn't be addressing the problem. The problem would still exist. The system would still be in place, and my example would be to run away. I agree. I, t- I totally agree. That's not the solution. Um, right. I hear altogether entirely too much talk and actually seeing too much of people thinking that they're going to somehow escape this problem. Escapism is an illusion. It literally is what the ego wants to tell a lot of people to do because they can't see a solution in sight and therefore their object is I'm going to hide from it or something as if it's not going to find you. Is it you know one of the allegorical movies I know whenever you call in I like to or we somehow get onto the topic of allegories it just seems like a uh, a uh, thing uh, for me and you Ivan but um a great allegorical movie about the actual inability to run away from a problem is Kite Runner based on the book. Um you know this child had a problem with a bully when he was young and you know essentially saw it as some kind as he grew up as something that was just inherent in his society in some way and he was going to leave it by coming to America you know and he lives his life in America only to find out that the problem really follows him and he can't escape it and he has to go back and confront it from where he he was originally from 
in the Middle East, and um, it's just a great spiritual allegory about you cannot run away from problems, and this is no different. This is not something we are going to run away from. The earth isn't going to separate into two earths where there's going to be government and slavery on one and then somehow magically an ascended earth is going to exist with no control. The people who think that are under a new age spell. You know, they've been lied to and they've bought into a absolute religious notion of some kind of a rapture that's going to happen on another dimension. You know, it's just another variant of the Christian idea of the rapture. Um, and, you know, the people who have bought on all this notions that somehow the good people are going to be magically spared and they're not going to be involved in the same, on the same sphere, on the same b- membrane of existence, the same plane of existence as what's going on with everyone else, uh, I, they're just absolutely kidding themselves. They are literally in a state of cognitive dissonance escapism. And it doesn't work that way. What is going to happen here is going to happen to everyone on this planet, you know, and that's what people don't want to hear or accept. And they want to think somehow they can insulate themselves from it. You might be able to insulate yourself for a time by hiding in some remote corner of the world. But that, again, like you said, the problem is still going to exist and be there. And the lesson is not try to find a way to avoid this. That's not the problem. It's too late for that. That comes at the beginning. At the beginning of the problem to solve it is don't ever let it come to this. Once it's this bad, if you don't confront it, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Right. See, now now here's the thing, though, that what I was talking about, that is a way that we can live and we have a free will, you know, a choice to live that way. But the thing is that that is not a solution. That's right. We... this is kind of like that ends. This is not the means to that end. I can go and live in the mountains and all that, but that doesn't mean that's a solution for this current problem. We still have to go through this problem and solve it. Yeah. After the governments have been taken down, all these control systems or this way of life has been obliterated and it doesn't exist anymore, then we can be free to go live in any mountains, have solar power, right. pump our right. own water and all this stuff, but that is not the solution itself. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's, that's that problem. And even more than that, any... Even more than that, Ivan, even anybody that would say, I hate the, I can't stand when people say, if you don't like this, go somewhere else, move. You're going to tell me I need to move away from where I was born? No, no, no. How about you move and I'll make you be the one to move. I'll make this problem go away and leave by an act of force if necessary. You know, if it comes to that, I'm standing my ground. I'm standing my ground. Okay? You know, the the, the people who say move, you know, you don't like the way things are done here, move. We're the ones who are going to make them move at some point. Okay? That's what's going to happen. When real freedom breaks out, we're going to be the one to make them move. We don't need no thought control No dark sarcasm 
Welcome back, everyone. We're taking your calls in this hour of the show. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. I want to thank Ivan from Phoenix for his very profound insight that escape is no solution. It never has been. It never will be. I've said before many times on this show that the way out is through You're not going over or around or under this problem. Where we've let it come to now, the only way out of this is going right through it, through direct confrontation of the underlying causal dynamics of the problem itself. And very possibly, if we fail to do that, through direct physical confrontation, which is what I want to try to avoid. Because if it comes to that, the devastation that's going to happen to this planet and its people is going to be beyond calculation. And I think that's what we're, that's what humanity's willingly choosing. They're willingly choosing going down that road. And it's a mistake. It's a mistake, but if we have to go down it, so be it. You know? We want to choose the way of maximum pain, this species, because we're a self loathing species as a whole. These are the dynamics we're going to talk about next week on the show. So thanks, Ivan, for that profound observation there that there is no running from this problem. There is no running from it. There is no hiding from it. There is no escaping it. The solution lies in confronting it. Let's hear from Robin in Missouri. Robin, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome to the show. Hey there, Mark. Good to hear from you. So... I think my question is kind of relevant to what you've been talking about in regards about the Anunnaki in the last few weeks. Basically, I'm wondering how you feel about the gender wars that seem to be going on with this planet. Because men and women in the U.S. marry end up divorcing about 50% of the time, which is pretty ridiculous. And that's similar in other nations, too. I'm wondering how you feel about this. And do you think it's maybe because Anunnaki came down and twisted our genetics to create this constant battle by making the psyches incompatible with one another, or is it maybe because of the societal construct that's making everybody stressed out, or is it just like an imbalance of the fem- of the feminine and masculine energies in the individual? And it just seems like we're basing our mating behavior off of the lower reptilian brain, and that's kind of based on the survival of the minisman survival of the fittest mentality. Let's say it's a combination of a lot of those factors. You know, you have all the societal pressures that always drive a wedge between families, uh, between, you know, uh, couples as well. You know, you have um, uh, the type of sex drives that people were programmed with versus what social norms are considered to be. You know, you have um, the constant mental manipulation, the mind control, divide and conquer strategies that are brought on by the rulers, the powers that be to keep people warring against each other. And you have the types of brain imbalance in the masculine and feminine, which exists within both sexes. You know, both all of those things combine to create factors that continue to drive wedges between people and keep them on different pages, keep them separated so that they're easier to conquer and rule and keep them enslaved. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think it's pretty crazy that for thousands of years we're still basing most of our behavior in the lower reptilian brain. Yep. And I feel like at this point in our evolution, we should start thinking about what traits do we want to weed, do we want to weed out of our psyche, what do we want to include, etc. It just seems crazy that this is still going on, that we're rooted in this survival of the fittest mentality, and that's part of our mating behavior, too. It's a total worldview schism, and it's a poisoned worldview that it's all about just the survival of physical matter and morality doesn't enter into the picture and consciousness doesn't enter into the picture. I got into it at the beginning part of this uh, extended presentation series when I talked about the whole uh, origins a schism, the the the, the uh, you know schism between creationism and and Darwinism and how that's also perpetuated to divide and conquer people. Um, yeah, I mean the people who have this idea that. Uh, it's all about Darwinian macrobiological evolution of physical matter and just, you know, everything is just a mechanized clockwork of, of atoms that is all there just to propagate for no reason like a virus does, you know, is it's such a poisonous worldview that that's a really, really, really powerful mindset that has kept people enslaved. People don't see that as an enslavement mindset. They see that as some kind of a scientific mindset. It's nothing of the kind, you know. There's, there's no real knowledge, no real science in just believing that the world is some kind of an automaton clockwork, you know? That's that's an imbalanced, poisoned worldview as far as I'm concerned, and it, it's not really based on any real science to, to begin with on top of that. So, you know, the people who take up that position are just extraordinarily left-brained in their imbalance. That's the way that the mind control got them, you know? That's how I look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just also we have something that's called conscious evolution. We are gifted with a higher awareness where we can dictate how our genes progress throughout the years, and animals do not have this gift, and it's just a shame that we're wasting this gift and not looking at how we can advance ourselves. All the potential in this species, it's almost incalculable. And what did we do? We built a prison. You know, it's a sad, sad, sad commentary on what humanity's highest vision of itself seems to be, you know. Mm-hmm. Robin, thanks so much for the insights. Great call. Thank you. Uh, let's hear from Gary in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Gary, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hey, Mark. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, uh, I don't, I'm the uh, DVD guy. We come down to see you down there in North Carolina. Oh, yes. Beautiful. How, how have you been? Uh, doing the same thing, buddy. Annoying people with my DVDs, trying to wake people up. That's it. Keep keep spreading (laughs) the truth, right? Persistence is what it's really all about. That's right. Amen. What do you have for uh, us tonight? uh, You know, this this has been a good show, and I've been I've been sitting here thinking. Before I forget, you know, we we sent you one of my guys sent you out an email a few weeks back about coming to speak over this way. I don't know if you saw it. Or I did, and I have it on my to-do list to get back to him. It, I've just been so swamped with different things. I have not had a chance yeah. to give him a call. I have his number actually right here on my to-do list on my whiteboard, and I'm going to call him this week. Okay, great. Yeah, I told him I was calling tonight, so uh, I would mention uh, mention the email. Yeah, it would be nice to do a presentation in Pittsburgh. Uh, I've been there many times. I enjoy going to the city, and uh, I will talk to him and try to set that up. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get you all set up. We'll, we'll make it worth your while and come, and you'll have a good time. But um, I was thinking about, um, you know, the most of the countries in the Stockholm Syndrome. 
they've they've come to uh, you know accept their enslavement, and you know the the best slaves are those that don't even know they're slaves. And that's, that's, that's that's exactly it. That's the dynamic they want in, in effect. Because if somebody thinks that they're free, they're never going to battle against their enslavement. They're never going to try to really truly free themselves if they think that's think that that's already the case erroneously. You know, yep. And my and my friend was telling me about you know um, Josie. Uh, what's her name? Outlaw Josie uh, uh, Larkin's friend. Oh, Larkin. Josie Wells. Yeah, Josie the outlaw. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was telling me about uh, one of her videos that she was she was like ranting, saying, "What, what law would you refuse? You know, what I mean, how far can we go where you finally say, no, 'No, I'm not doing that'? You know exactly. I mean, it, 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 it's just common sense, but you know, they it's this perceived authority with these disease thinking people walking around that have this distorted perception." That that man that one man has the authority over another. It's like when you when you're in the courtroom and the, and uh, the judge comes in, they say, "All rise for what? Who, who is he? Right. All rise. What well, I'm going to I'm going to give him authority. Right. But, but people. And this just is the thing: like, order following. The dynamic of order following is the crux of the problem. I think I'm going to do a presentation in the future called. What makes a good person good and a bad person bad? That this is what people really don't get is that the very base dynamic of what it means to be a person that does not really have a developed sense of true conscience is that they are the people who are willing to follow someone else's orders. No right. order follower has ever been a truly good human being, ever, ever. Let me just say that emphatically again so I could really try to offend some people out there. Maybe they'll <laughs> really perk their ears up and listen and pay attention. There has never been in the history of the universe an order follower, no matter who they were taking orders from, that has been a truly good being, period. Could I make any more of a blanket statement than that? The definition of being a bad person, a bad being, is that you are willing to follow the orders of another being, period. I don't care where it is in the universe, I don't care what planet it's on, I don't care what species it is, if one being is following the order of another being, that being who is doing the order following is not a good being, period, by definition. And this is what humanity refuses to accept. They refuse to accept that truth. That eternal truth that can never be made untrue. It is an unwavering, unalterable, eternal truth in the universe, in nature. Well, I agree with you. We're going to a break. We'll be back, folks. You know the day destroys the night. Night divides the day. Try to run. Try to hide, break on through to the other side, break on through to the other side, break on through to the other side, yeah. Welcome back, everyone. Last segment of the show for this evening. The time really does fly. We were talking to Gary in Pittsburgh. Gary, I was saying before that really all order followers since the beginning of time 
They really don't have a developed sense of conscience. And this is what makes them be willing to follow someone else's orders. By definition, that's a person who has not really developed conscience. And by definition, they are not a truly good human being. You could be, do some good things to people in your life, but an order follower is a person who is willing to follow the dictates of an other, even if those dictates are not in harmony with the laws of morality. By definition, that makes you not a good, a truly good human being. And if you want to like capitalize, you know, truly good human being, the capital T, you know, capital G, capital H, capital B, truly good human being. Okay. I'm talking about in the real sense, not that they are incapable of doing anything good in the world. And means ultimately that the core essence of the being remained truly undeveloped and never came into the capacity of truly knowing the difference between right and wrong behavior for themselves. That's what I mean by that. So yeah. uh, I'll let you finish up your thought there. That's my take on that. But uh, any other <clears throat> thing you wanted to bring well, to the table, go right ahead. Um, one of the things that gets me so fired up and irritated is when you hear from police officers, school teachers, whoever whatever perceived authority, well, I'm just doing my job. I have a family at home to feed. Right. Well, justification. Well, you know it's all justification. So, yeah. so yeah. Step aside so I can tase your pregnant wife because she won't give me her uh, papers. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm just doing my job. I have a family to feed. You know, how about thinking for yourself? Yeah, exactly. No, but see, that's the whole thing. A person who hasn't truly come into conscience and therefore isn't a true human being does not want to think for themselves. They think that they can abdicate their responsibility for their own actual behaviors to another person, to another human being. And that can't really be done in nature. You can only claim that you can do that. You can never really truly do that in actual point of fact reality. It cannot be done. What, yep. what is the cause, though, Mark? What, what do you think? The, I mean, That's what we're going to get to next week on the show. Besides, besides the food and the fluoride and everything else, yep. the conditioning. Ne next uh, week I, on the show, I'm going to talk about the very causal, dynamic, psychological factors that lead people to want to follow orders, that lead people to want control, that lead people to act. To, to continue to um, um, support, ideologically support violence and control. That's what the theme of the show for next week is going to be on. Oh, so great. I'll, I'll, I'll leave hey, it at that, and I'll let you tune about, in for next sorry week. To hear about losing, sorry to hear about losing Bob Tuscan. I, I know. I heard about show. this. I heard about this, and you know, it, it really, uh, it really upsets me. And we got to do something to try to get him back on because Amen. it happened as a result of a huge amount of confusion and and miscommunication. And I feel really bad about what took place. And Bob was really largely responsible for getting me on the airwaves to begin with, in general. Uh, you know, and and on this oh. network certainly helped that process out tremendously. So, I mean, I just uh, really empathize with what happened with Bob. And I don't, uh, I, I, you know, I'm not really happy about it. And I really uh, think, hope that we could at least bring him back on for an hour or two an evening. An hour, you know, right. Something. Be great. Because uh, his, his work is phenomenal and really needs to be shared with people out there for sure. Amen. Okay. Okay, Mark. I'll Gary, thank you so much, man. Great call. All right. Let's uh, go to another call before we wrap up. Let's hear from John in Kentucky. John, you are live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome to the show. Uh, hello, Mark. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Loud and clear. 
Okay, sir. I, I just got out of the military a few weeks ago, and uh, previously I watched a movie, The Thin Red Line, and there was a, a quote in the movie that really impacted me inside, and I, and I felt like uh, printing it on, on a, a bunch of, about 100 pieces of paper and gave it to my company, and I'd like to read it to you if that's okay. Sure, go right ahead. Okay. Um, this great evil, where does it come from? How did it steal into the world? What seed, what root did it grow from? Who's doing this? Who's killing us? Robbing us of life and light? Mocking us with the sight of what we might have known? Does our ruin benefit the earth? Does it help the grass to grow? The sun to shine? Is this darkness in you too? Have you passed through the night? Uh, and I put at the end, if you're my foe, this evil is in you. Remember, I will not hesitate. Hmm. That's where I wrote that to... Uh, my company before leaving. I just kind of wanted to just let them know how I felt about the war and my involvement in this tyrannical world of takeover and, uh, you know, so it was just my thing to, to give to the guys, I guess. And have you gotten out? Are you out for good? Yeah, yes, I am completely out. I've done two tours over in Iraq, unfortunately, and I'm out now. I did well, at least years. you're out now. I commend you for that. Yes. Uh, is there any questions you have from a soldier who's, I guess you could say, awake and, and wrote this? Uh, you know, I know you, you're pressing on or trying to get the awakening of the soldiers and military and police, so I, if you have any questions for me, that's fine. Okay, I'll give you, I'll, I'll say, what's your honest appraisal about whether soldiers will willingly follow their orders unquestioningly to do what, whatever they're commanded to do? Um, what would you, would give me a percentage. Let, let's say, instead of trying to qualify it, you know, with words, what do you think a percentage breakdown would be of how many people would unquestioningly follow their orders if they were, let's say, to turn against their own population for whatever reasons they justified it with? Because you know they'll always try to make it, dress it up and make it look like it was necessary. How many people will say, I'll fall in line with my orders percentage-wise? And how many people would say, I will resist that physically if necessary? I would say probably... 20 to 30 percent would would stand down and i would say the majority would be afraid of their hierarchy structure and that's about what i agree with that is about what i agree with yep yeah that is realistic uh, that is realistic to me realistic numbers is i would say eight out of ten would go along and two out of ten would resist and 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 not follow to get them to wake and they are but they're too like oh well, I gotta finish up my time and yep. I'm like through yep. that guys you need to get out now yep. the only way you're gonna end this is if you're out and you're not wearing that stupid uniform there it is there it is thank you for saying that there yeah, it is sir uh, you t- take it easy I'll see you absolutely great call that makes me feel like there's some hope in this world right a call like that awesome Oh, I don't know how we're going to top that one, but uh, let's go to uh, Jerwin in Phoenix. Uh, we have very limited time, so you're live on the air. What do you have for us? Let's go to Tom in Toronto. Okay, let's hear from Tom in Toronto. You're live on what on earth is happening. We have limited time. Hi, Tom. Um, uh, Mark. Yes, I'm how really are you doing? This one short. So, uh, it's about, you know, how the God, uh, in quotation marks, and how they, in Egypt, they had the heads of animals. And I think that sort of it's a synchronistic symbolism of how they had really animalistic ways about them, considering their lack of morality yes. when feeding human race and just treating them 
awful, truly like animals, right? In many in many cases, I, I, and I would say I don't want to paint with an extremely broad brush to say all of them behaved that way, but many did. There were factions of them that wanted to uplift humanity and and teach us and teach us how to use technologies in the right way and teach us how to be essentially moral beings uh, amongst each other through our behaviors. It wasn't all of them. There were some uh, somewhat good beings um, even among them, but uh, you know, uh, the whole thing that they did here, I think, was a could you could sum it up and say it was like a huge ultimate sin against creation, playing God here the way that they did. So uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say all of them were totally evil, but there were some who wanted to help humanity in some ways. Yeah, it's truly animalistic, like um, with the inverse pentagram and the domination by the animal-based urges. Sure, that's part of Satanism as it comes down to us in the modern world, which came from some of uh, these older occultic belief systems. Definitely, it it uh, yeah, you know, praises all the self, the <laughs> self-based desires, you know, and uh, puts down the spirit. But um, you know, are you saying did that really come from these beings? Did that whole essence, that whole kind of ideology, come from these beings? I would say. Probably it came down through these beings into the present day in the form that it does That's from some point in the ancient past. Like I said, since they created our religions and they created the priest classes that descended into Satanism and dark Luciferianism, I would say that there is a connection to these beings, uh, you know, for those ideologies. I hope that somewhat answers the question, but unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this episode of What on Earth is Happening. Ladies and gentlemen, remember, there are only two mistakes one can ever make on the path to truth not starting and not going all the way we'll see you right here next week thanks for listening